Welcome to Side Talks. This is the official podcast for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema. I'm Rachel Morgan, creative director for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema. And I'm Corey Kraft, feature film programmer for the Sidewalk Film Festival. This is the podcast where we talk about all kinds of things sidewalk, and that means all, all things, things cinema. And now, a look at what we're watching this week. So what I'm watching this week is, uh, well, first, uh, The Favorite. Yeah. It's in theaters right now. Um, and I think it's absolutely dazzling. It's really weird and funny. Um, not laugh out loud funny too frequently, but really, really deeply funny. Um, and it's just wall to wall with really interesting women, which I like a lot. It just feels uh, so fresh and unique and different in ways that uh, are you know, really amazing and fun. Um, that's the other thing, guys. I, I'm really – film made me really happy. And <laughs> it's for, for a nihilistic film, that's pretty special. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very excited about it and um, hope that it sweeps the Academy Awards because it would just be a, such a weird film to sweep the Academy Awards. But I don't know that it will. It got a little Golden Globe nod, which is nice. Yeah, uh, three tremendous performances in that movie. Uh, Olivia Coleman is the queen, of course, but also – Rachel Weisz and, and Emma Stone as her dueling uh, handmaidens slash love interests. It is so strange. It is such a weird movie. But that's in keeping with Yorgos Lanthimos, the filmmaker whose films never have a rhythm that you can really pick up on within the first few minutes. It, you have to sort of acclimate to what it is that he's doing. Yeah, I was like unfairly five minutes in. I'm like, I'm dazzled and I'm just going <laughs> to I just love this film. And I kind of I feel like this is where it gets really, really unfair is I'm like, I think I'm just going to be on board and like this film no matter where the hell it goes. So I, I just, you know, I just embraced it for whatever reason within the first five minutes and, and didn't ever back off of that. So maybe it's even maybe it's not as good as I think it is. I just decided it was good in five minutes. Yeah, I'm not sure I think it's as good as you think it is. Um, <laughs> I like it a lot. Uh, I think it's a little too long. Um, I, I think it runs out of steam a little bit narratively near the end. I enjoyed um, every minute of it. And what's funny is I think we disagree here. The end is my least favorite part. Ooh, maybe... I, I do like the very ending which, yeah. where it gets surreal um, and and. Just, spoiler alert, it gets surreal. Uh, is that a spoiler? It, the whole movie's <laughs> basically surreal, um, but it just gets outright peculiar in the last few shots. Um, no, it's it's a very, very good movie, though, um, it, filled with all sorts of enjoyable performances and lines and moments. Uh, definitely worth seeing. Mean-spirited fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I want to add one more, if it's okay, what, of what I'm watching this week. Because this is a really weird one. I am watching a television show, if you can believe it. Because you can't. know me. I rarely watch television shows. This is the most balls-out crazy television show I've ever seen. And I highly recommend it. And it's called The Masked Singer. Do you know oh, about this? I've seen the advertisements Okay, well, this. just keep watching that trailer on repeat. It's bonkers. <laughs> I can't believe people put money towards this. And, like, a significant amount of money. And do, do you want to explain the premise or do you want me to do this? You are far more uh, knowledgeable about this. Massively weird costumes, okay, uh, sort of celebrities, let me put that in quotes, wear uh. these and come out and sing. And this panel of, let me put this in quotes, judges, which includes Robin Thicke, have to guess what famous person might be singing. And they, they, they guess <laughs> famous people along the likes of President Obama. Britney Spears, like, but it ends up just, you know, being stuff like some third rate 
NFL player or something, even though I may, they could be first rate. I don't know anything about football. But, you know, it ends up being that. And it is weird as hell. I mean, I can't. They do like a little backstory. Oh, by the way, what I'm leaving out here is that when the person talks, they mm-hmm. have to disguise their voice so sure. that you can't guess who they are. So everything is like this when they speak. <laughs> Anyway, if you don't believe me, just watch it and then send me hate email. (laughs) Get ready for a five-minute fight. Round one, fight. Hey, Corey. Hey, Rachel. So um, we have had an argument in the past that we're going to revisit today. And uh, we're going to just leave it at five minutes. So we've got a five-minute challenge here. And I think you know what that topic is. You want to guess? I think it is uh, the films and performances of Tom Hanks, Rachel. Yes, it is. Yeah. So would you like me to start with my thesis? Start, and with, then... start with the um, the anti-Tom Hanks position. Yeah, let me crush your, your dreams. Go ahead and get it out of the way. So from all accounts, Tom Hanks is a super nice guy, mm-hmm. like super lovely, friendly, wonderful, warm, and but he sucks. <laughs> Um, he started with Booze and Buddies, which, by the way, is the worst name for a television program ever, and has done absolutely zero things different since then. That's that's the end of your argument. Well, I mean, that's the start of it. But I'm just I'm giving you a pause here because I know you're starting to tear up. I'm, yeah, getting a little misty over here. Um, okay, I, I don't I don't have an immediate counter. <laughs> Uh, being a, a younger person and not being familiar with, with Tom Hanks' sitcom work, but I will say Tom Hanks' comedic and dramatic work on the big screen is, in fact, actually good. No. Okay. I mean, I, I got that little ageist dig there. I like that. <laughs> like, by the way, Booze and Buddies is fully available on that thing that you guys invented, YouTube. Um, sure, okay. And you can watch it there in very low res. Um, but no, absolutely not. I know what you're hanging your hat on, but what film, I'll go ahead and give you this. Okay, what promptly. in the world film has he done anything different in? Like Joe versus the volcano, there he is. That's sure. him. That's him in every film. Just move him to another movie. I mean, you don't think that to go back away's big is an exceptional comic performance that causes you know that asks him to stretch different muscles. I like big. Okay, I'm going to give you that. But we just need one movie. So pick one. If you want to pick big, that's great. But okay. otherwise, it's the same damn thing in every movie. Well, you know what I'm going to go. I, I oh hang my, my hat God, on this. Here we go. Paul Greengrass is Captain Phillips. You're hanging your entire I, hat on Captain not, Phillips. It's not my entire hat because my counter argument to you, <laughs> to the idea that uh, Hanks is bad because he does the same thing over and over again, is that I don't think it is inherently bad to do the same thing over and over again if you're very good at that thing. Really? Yeah. You don't think that we should give other people an opportunity to actually do some work? Why not both? Best of both worlds. You have Tom Hanks doing his Tom Hanks thing every once in a while, and you have exciting character actors, you know, stepping up to the big leagues. Fine. I mean, um, Tom Hanks is like any of the uh, classic stars of old Hollywood who found their type and stuck to their type. And I don't have a problem with sticking to your type if you're really good at your type. He's like a modern Jimmy Stewart, and I don't have a problem with that. Why can't he actually do some work? Why can't he actually break out of the same old, same old? Like, okay, so I'll give you this. Forrest Gump is slightly different. It's like the sure. s- it's like simple Tom Hanks. Philadelphia is slightly different. It's slightly different, but there is such a narrow little road that we're in here. Why can't he just do why, – why not have a higher expectation of America's sweetheart? Is that not a savvy movie star thing to do, though, to – No. 
stay in your lane, so to speak. No. He's not a Daniel Day-Lewis, okay? <laughs> he's not a late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, who, no. No, he's he's not like those guys. But there is no problem, I think, doing that thing that he does very, very well with, you know, modulation here and there. No, I disagree. I think we I think we should have a higher standard for him as well as for, you know, I mean, who else in the world are you allowing to do that other than Tom Hanks? And it's just because, is it because he's so adorable and so cute and so now, sweet and so nice? So, okay, let me think about this. I mean, I don't think you're going to like any of the names I throw out here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, hasn't Meryl Streep kind of fallen into a Meryl Streep thing recently? We've kind of had this conversation. Are you, too. okay, hold on a second. Are you really saying no, that no. Tom H- Meryl Streep is the Tom Hanks of No. I just I all of the big actresses are fairly versatile, I would say. Oh, like, Sophie's Choice or Forrest Gump. Same difference. No, what are you wh- That's how- not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that I don't think that there there is a problem to fall into a certain slot, so to speak, and just keep doing that and hitting that note over and over again. If you are a good director, you know, you put that actor in that's, you know, who will play that part to, uh, well, to the the degree that they always do. I don't know. Tom Hanks is old dependable. <laughs> Why not utilize old dependable? Here we go. To do that Here thing. Here we go. So that's like, just keep doing the same old thing. Oh, man. I win. Who says? Hi there. My name is Sam Eddins. I am the film traffic coordinator for the Sidewalk Film Festival, as well as the upcoming Sidewalk Film Center and Cinema. Also, I am the official, unofficial referee for the Sidewalk podcast, Side Talks. So for this Tom Hanks debate, uh, Rachel comes out of the gate strong with a confident he sucks statement. But man, it's almost like if you were sitting in church and a priest just randomly stands up and says, you know what? That Jesus guy just kind of sucks. And yes, I am comparing Tom Hanks to Jesus. Um, Rachel makes a great point that he is the same in every movie, but Corey makes a great counter argument that by saying he sticks to his type because his type works. It just always works. Huge bonus points to Rachel for even attempting to destroy the reputation of America's acting sweetheart, but the man is just untouchable. To answer Rachel's question, is it because he's so adorable and so cute and so sweet? Absolutely 100% yes. The only argument you even need is it's Tom Hanks, so Corey wins no contest. So that's what Sam thinks, and you know what I think. Let us know who you think won by visiting us on our Facebook page. At Sidewalk Film. At Sidewalk Film. At Sidewalk Film. You'll never forget us. This is a Sidewalk interview with the one and only Virginia Newcomb. Virginia is an actor. She's the star of the new A24 film that just premiered at Sundance, The Death of Dick Long. And she's also a Birmingham resident. Hi, Virginia. Hey, how's it going? Good. So we're going to do an interview segment with you. Oh, what? Our, our first one. I had no idea. That's what we're doing? Yes. I thought and I was so, interviewing you. Well, you can do that if you want. <laughs> okay, uh, here's my answers. Yes or no. <laughs> Good job. Uh, make it really easy Maybe. for you. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. May- that one's extended. Maybe. Maybe. So this is a Virginia Newcomb. Uh, yes, it is. And you most recently, can I say, have uh, starred in a film called The Death of Dick Long, directed by Daniel Scheinert. Truth. Just premiered at Sundance. Yeah. Is that your most recent project? Um, well, it's the most recent one out. That's so hard to answer because right. it's like you're working on one, you're developing one, one comes out. There's no real 
linear answer to that. Sure. <laughs> as, as, as far as one that people may not be able to see just yet, but have seen clearly, it would be maybe the most recent one. I agreed. So we'll just talk for a few minutes yeah. about sort of Sundance and this yeah. film and maybe what's coming up. So cool. how many times have you been to Sundance? Was this your first time? or This was my first time. What'd you think? Sundance is cray-cray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, so part of me went up in Sundance like I am a child and, and innocent to it all and just enjoyed it. And part of it's like, you know, it's blocking the weirdness and blocking the... How, are we are we able to curse on this? I've been doing that, so I figured that if I, do you see me like want to like three times, and I'm like, wait, how much freedom do I actually have? I mean, there's a lot of BS. Like, it's an interesting amalgamation of the industry. It's like beautiful indie radical, and then it's layers of bullshit. So, sure. Sure. so it's like all coming at you, and you're like, whoa, this is really fun, but also really overwhelming. Um, but luckily, I got to do it with a group of really rad filmmakers yeah. and felt supported and and um, encouraged in that process. So, yeah, it was a ton of fun yeah. for me. Yeah. So the last time I saw you was actually at the after party for this film Correct. in Park City. Yeah. And I had been at the pr- clearly at the premiere mm-hmm. uh, before that. And so I was thinking, you know, here you are. You're up there and doing the Q&A. And, of course, you've just seen yourself on the screen for 90-some-odd minutes. Yeah. And I'm wondering... I'm there as you know, as a festival programmer and just a film lover. Mm-hmm. But what it and I think most people don't. I'd say a lot of people don't know what it's like to go to Sundance at all, right? right. A lot of people don't. A lot of people mm-hmm. have gone, but a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. But certainly, not many people know what it's like to go to Sundance as an actor. Well, totally. And like most of my pals are Sundance rejects, right? So yeah. like I, I am with a bunch of filmmakers who long to go there. So I was lucky. I was privileged. I was feeling super grateful just to be there and then the experience to have your movie premiere and people seemingly dig it at least audibly like people just cracked up at our super dark messed up movie um so like there's a that energy in a screening always is just nerve it's all those things right it's not black and white it's exciting it's nerve-wracking and you're at Sundance and it's a big deal and then afterwards it's like there's a calm and there's a peace there that that at least that I found, because this has been in the works for, you know, a year and a half. Sure. For me, longer for a lot of the other filmmakers. Um, so there's like a release that happens when you screen a movie for the first time. And when you screen a movie for the first time at Sundance, it's like, okay, check. Like, I've done this. This right. feels really good. So. Yeah. And I think some people are maybe under the impression, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think some people are under the impression like, oh, well, you starred in a movie. Mm-hmm. It premiered at the greatest film festival in the world, Sundance. <laughs> You're famous now, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and everybody's offering you jobs. Uh-huh. Does oh, that yeah. happen? Like, No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's still really, really fresh. So I don't want to say it doesn't happen. And sure. there have definitely been um, there buzz as as they call it you know I mean I, I've, I've had some people reach out about some things but you know I'm still like not getting the audition that that I had yeah. just after Sundance you know yeah. it's like yeah my star meters up on IMDB but who people are like who is she she got great reviews but who is she still and I I honestly don't think that that at least from what I have heard from a vast array of celebrities and non-celebrities that that doesn't change yeah it's not about like I don't think there's just I don't think there's this mark that you get to and then you're smooth sailing. Like yeah. it is always peaks and valleys and they're extreme and they're stressful and they're wonderful and they're all the things. It's just like life. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, you do you hear this from Academy Award winning actors, Good. especially women, mm-hmm. that they say that, hey, I, I, you know, I got that and it's great, but it yeah. doesn't necessarily lead to a lot more work. No, it doesn't. But, you know, I'm also staying, you know, positive. There's also a component of it that, you know, you have to recognize as, okay, I'm a little up. So you leverage right. that and you're like, you, you speak of, of it as a good thing because it is. I mean, it's it's easy to get in that that um, space where you're like, well, where you fear what you're sure. saying, you sure. know. So um, I think the human element is just to be present in, yeah. in it and, and not be overwhelmed by the bullshit and just realize what is really freaking cool about it. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm just staying in that space right now, you know, swimming, yeah. swimming in the good. <laughs> right. So tell me a little bit about the film then, I guess, is oh really sh- what I should maybe started with even. <laughs> no, 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 no. I like starting with the feels. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so The Death of Dick Long is about um, these two debaucherous, horribly idiotic <laughs> fellas, one of which is my husband, who get into some trouble. And I mean, from my perspective, the film is very different from their perspective. It's yeah. almost kind of like we all were in very different movies when we were approaching this. Like my co-stars were in this crazy buddy comedy and right. I'm like in this Chekhovian melodrama. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the women definitely carry the emotional brunt of this film. Right. And um, what else is new? So that wasn't like a pitch. That was just like, (laughs) this is how I felt about it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's really all. I mean, it's the death of Dick Long. Dick dies. Like, that's all you really want to know. And it's kind of a redneck caper. And just take the ride from (laughs) there. Take the ride. Yeah, Yeah. cool. So what was your favorite part about Sundance? Did you have them? I mean, I I guess the screening, right? But what do you think? Totally the premiere. But, you know, I mean, A24 produced the film and they're just a really incredible company. I think I I think I probably experienced Sundance a little spoiled. Like they're just they're just super chill. You know, yeah. they're going around and doing the press and like I've done that before but not at this level. Sure. And they are just so chill and cool and make it really beautiful and normal. So that that was lovely. And then liking my filmmakers and being able to hang out with them and celebrate this together. Right. I feel like that's always kind of what film festivals really are about is celebrating what you've done, this is a milestone, and you get to celebrate it with all these people that you made it with that you hopefully like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that's part of our, you know, it's funny because Sundance is clearly the ultimate, but I mean, at mm-hmm. Sidewalk, we really try, I mean, do our best that this yeah. is a moment for you to come celebrate work that we know is so hard to get out into the world. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to make a bad film, right? Yeah. Much less <laughs> a film that gets into Sundance. So, yeah. you know, either way. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you now the okay. question everybody asked me when I got back from Sundance. Mm-hmm. And it's a question I kind of, I don't really care about, but I'm asking you anyway. You know what it's going to be, right? Mm-mm. What okay. celebrities did you see? Oh, my God. So we had an interview. I'll refrain from saying which one. But that was like one of the first questions that they ask. And it immediately puts you in this place of like, oh, because I don't matter. Right. That's like, exactly why I ask it. I'm like, you know what? We Enough of you, Virginia. Now tell us what celebrities you saw. I think I think that that question got answered by our writer, Billy Chu, as he saw Carrot Top. And there then, it is. It's done. Yeah. But then I interrupted and was like, actually, no, that was me. Because if you don't know me, I have carrot red hair. So wait, now back to okay. Carrot Top, though. What is, I didn't see Carrot Top. You didn't though. see, because uh, I was going to ask, is his bod still like really scary buff? I, I, I'll have to ask Damn. Billy about that. I'm sure that he observed that Damn. one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, 
upsetting. Uh, well, I saw Kira Sedgwick. Nice. That's as exciting as it gets. I saw Barry Jenkins, which maybe is ex- you know That's exciting to some cool. folks. Yeah. Maybe I kind of had my head down a little bit. Yeah. Um, I saw Virginia Newcomb. What? Can you believe it? Does she have carrot red hair? She did. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't think of a celebrity right now. Isn't that weird? Daniel Scheinert. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of people apparently saw Zac Efron, but his hair is oh, like I did bleached see Zac- out. Zac Efron. There you go. Yeah. We don't really consider him a celebrity more because he's just a salesperson on Amazon now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With bleached out hair. Very, very bleached out hair. So what's the... So this is an sort of the next question is mm-hmm. so you're back in Birmingham yeah, right so yeah. you're from Alabama originally I am from Alabaster Alabaster Alabama. ale uh-huh ala no one ever called it that I don't know what we're doing <laughs> we're just making shit up uh-huh here we are so how do you tell us a little bit like you go out you're, you're out in LA for a while and yeah. then you come back what's that so, like brief roadmap I was born in Memphis grew up in Alabaster um Went to college at Jack State for like a minute. My mentor there um, helped me get a scholarship to the Lee Strasberg Theater Institute. So I just turned 20 and moved to L.A. Amazing. And I spent like 12-ish years there, but also like worked in New York and kind of the last few years have started working everywhere but L.A. And um, although it was kind of part in part risk and let me see what's going on in the southeast and actually getting work here, I didn't officially move here until like a year ago this month. So yeah. we finally got a place um, downtown a year ago. So I officially live here. But we were, uh, my Paul, my boyfriend, and I were both following the work for like four years. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of that was the rebelling against the, the system. And Hollywood sure. kind of identifies in that way for me. Um, and, and part of it was coming back to the South, back to my roots, and figuring out like what, what I need to dig, dig at and explore in, my, in myself and my work. Yeah. Yeah, while things are kind of bubbling here, which is, right. it's a super exciting time to be here. It's still risky for me to be here as an actor. Is it risky to be here or is it risky to be in L.A. anymore? It's risky to be an actor, I should sure. probably say. Like, sure. And especially as I get older and like I'm, I'm, I'm forging my own path and I'm finally doing that in a way that feels honest to me. I feel right. like I've always rebelled and resisted and done that thing. But now it's starting to form this road that makes sense and it's mine like I created this and yeah I'm in the middle of Birmingham Alabama doing that um and perception can often be that I've given up yeah 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 um I mean I think that's an unfair perception but I do think people that is sort of improving it wrong every day but like yeah yeah, it's just it's just a weird thing like if you're not in LA or New York but that's changing I think that's changing too I really do but it is sort of a I mean I know you probably get this too it's like why are you in Birmingham? Yeah. I'm like, why not? Yeah. It's it's so diverse. It's so purple. It's so like, and I mean purple politically, but like it's so, it's such a melting pot of, and, and I was naive to that too, honestly, sure. when I came back because I, I, I came back for the work and to, you know, spend some time with my family, but I've, it's really opened my eyes to what I didn't see when I lived here before as a kid. I mean, as a kid, you got to like run from things sometimes yeah, you do. to figure your shit out. Um, but coming back, I realized that part of what, what made me who I am and part of what I'm searching for is actually back here in this, in all these oppositions that exist in Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. 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 And you can 
travel anywhere. I mean, it's totally. Last time I checked, it's 2019. Yeah. So we can get places pretty quick. Yeah. And I am totally traveling by bus, by train, right. by aeroplane. And then, <laughs> and then clearly there's work here too. So, yeah. uh, you know, this is the other thing though I wonder, and this is something I wonder for all actors. And that is that, you know, when, when, you're, when you're not on a film, mm-hmm. when you're not cast in something, does it get frustrating to like want to work and want to do the work, but you can't? Because as a writer, right, you can sit and write. Yeah. And even if people aren't publishing your work, even if you're not having a lot of success with it, you can still do that thing because it's really just about, I mean, I guess you can act in a room by yourself, but you know what I mean. Like, I do. What do you do when you're really wanting to work, but the work isn't coming right when you want it to? Well, I think part of why my trajectory has changed is because I, I have needed to take more leadership and ownership on creating my own work Mm -hmm. and so you know producing more is kind of where it started creative producing um and then you know writing and and just being involved as like an a collaborator and as at like a genuine collaborator whatever position i need to get in to be that is kind of like so that i can really act and feel like i have ownership over that yeah um that definitely is what my personal exploration and my creativity has been over the last few years. So it's, yes, it's frustrating. Right. Constantly. I'm constantly frustrated. (laughs) I think that's kind of the plight, right? Um, But I am starting to um, figure out how to, um, how to relieve that Mm -hmm. by, by creating more. Yeah. I mean, as an, as an actor, yeah, you, you have to figure out where, where to run the show sometimes. And sometimes that's personal. Yeah. And just writing and sometimes it's doing totally different things like poetry or music and adjacent mm-hmm. art. Um, yeah. Like s- outlets of some kind. Totally. I mean, do actors get together and kind of go, let's just do this thing. So we're working. <laughs> that is like, Probably an actor statement that's universally <laughs> said constantly. Guys, guys, we just can we just do something? It's like that. That's like the line of frustration. Yeah, yeah, they do. But then actors are also like, we need the other people. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of actors can get together and uh, long for things. Sure, but you really need a team, and I, I think that that's something. It's a huge part of what I've found coming back to the South and and making movies here is how much I valued community that I didn't realize that I needed. Like community and collaboration are so huge to me right now. And not just lip service, like like really like put totally. in put in the work and do it and value other people's viewpoints. Whether I'm a producer or whether I'm a whoever, like let's value each other as as equal collaborators. So I think that's mostly where my frustration has been rooted. Yeah. Um, and now I'm, I'm kind of figuring that out. <laughs> yeah, trying to traverse that. I mean, yeah. I remember when I was in film school, one of my favorite sort of moments was me and a friend of mine who was also in my film program with me. And there were only six women in my film program out of like 300. Crazy. And so me and this uh, this other woman are in the car and we're driving and we're going around. We're in Savannah, Georgia, and we're going around a square. And there's a team of people. We recognize one of them. From, from our film program, they're shooting in the square at like 2 a.m. We're coming back from a bar, right? Mm-hmm. And we immediately just pull the car over and like run out to see if they need us to crew with them, you know? Yeah. And it was like, hell yes, we need you to crew. Like, <laughs> da, da. And we just jumped on and all of a sudden at 2.15 in the morning, we're helping with this, you know, with this film production. That's amazing. And so, I mean, to me, Birmingham feels a little like film school in that sense, uh-huh. you know, that, that doesn't necessarily feel that way in other cities. Mm-mm. But here it really feels like, wait, you've got something going? Like, how yeah. can we jump in there 
there and help you and like legitimately not looking just to like not looking necessarily for a paycheck or even though that's good we mm-hmm. like those yeah. but you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah. everybody here I think feel, I feel like jumps in and tries to help other folks am I wrong about that has that been you, your experience I think you have to and I and so if and not I, I don't want LA hate on because sure. I do I, I love a lot of aspects of LA and it's beautifully uh liberal and <laughs> creative and warm and wonderful but uh, the industry having established self there i often kind of point i often categorize hollywood as as this negative thing that i'm resisting and one of those things is is the isolation that it creates which is crazy it's just a saturated market so you have to kind of be out for yourself or at least it it breeds that feeling mm-hmm. and when you're in a smaller community when you're in a smaller market you kind of have to be like Hey, I know who, who who could gaff that. Yep. <laughs> you know, or or hey, this person's great. Like you have to come together. Otherwise, yeah. it, it it can't happen. So that necessity really breeds the the genuine collaboration that I'm talking about. And and then you you have to go you have to go out of your way to get to know people and who you like to work with yep. on all levels. So it um yeah, it's kind of nice. <laughs> I agree. I, how many times do you say, like, you know who you need to talk to? Oh, every day. <laughs> and I and I also, like, seek those opportunities out yeah. more. Um, as opposed to them just, like, if someone happens to ask me. Like, I'm actually actively looking, like, what's going on in this city? Who's attached to it? Because I also really want the people that know what they're doing and have experience and are at least hungry as hell yeah. and are really good at it um, to, to be on the things that, that are rising up this, this small but mighty market. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's a group effort. Sure. I know we're glad that you're back and Thanks. hoping that you'll stay. And I hope more people come back, too, because, you know, we can grow the community. Yeah. So I guess I'll end on that question that, you know, everybody ends on, which is like, what's next? <laughs> Are you mad? No, no, not at all, because my what's next doesn't get asked a lot. So um, and if I'm answering it honestly, like I'm developing a couple Southern Gothic pieces, um, one feature film, one short film. Um, and by developing, I also mean I want to direct one and I'm writing one. So these leadership roles I'm talking about, I'm kind of expanding more and more. Um, I hope to make more money this year. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I hope for all this Sundance buzz um, yeah. to put some money in mama's pockets. Exactly. So that's what's next, like in an intention setting kind of way. Right. Money, 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 money. Um, but yeah, I want to make some cool shit in Birmingham. For sure. And yeah. hopefully we'll see the death of Dick Long. Yeah, You're in Birmingham soon as well. I'm so. sure. I'm sure. All the team wants to come back like really, really bad. I've heard that. They loved heard Alabama that. so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this. We really appreciate it. It's super fun. Thank it's you. good to talk to you always. Me too. <laughs> and now, fast film terms. Here's what a best boy gaffer is. Ah. You usually hear about a best boy, and without anything after it, you would be talking about a best boy grip. Mm-hmm. But there is a best boy gaffer, too, sometimes that can be titled. And the best boy gaffer, basically, they're going to report to, a, like, a, a key, to, like, mm-hmm. a key gaffer. And they are, you know, so they're sort of, like, the favorite or, or up the line from the other gaffers that are there, right? And so I think this term comes from, you know, like a, the old white dude on set that's smoking a cigar and it's like, hey, where's my best boy? The, the most experienced of the gaffers. Well, the second most experienced. Okay. But, yeah, we're close. Okay. Yeah, there you go. So now it's time for Kyle's Corner. Kyle McKinnon is the features programmer for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema. He's going to take a few minutes to talk about whatever the heck he wants to. 
recently my wife Joyce and I having kind of like cutting ourselves out of streaming media. The initial purpose was because we're trying to just save money and budget and just, you know, try to save pennies here and there. And I mean, but also like, I really, really am really tired of Netflix, um, or I have been for a few years. Because their back catalog has fizzled out, you basically are at the mercy of what they have. So if you have an idea, it's like, oh, I want to watch Waiting for Guffman or something like that. It seemed like, like eight years ago, there was a possibility it would be there because they just, they, they had a huge streaming catalog for a while. And then now it's just like, you know, okay, The Shining is there, whatever. I've been kind of cataloging my DVDs and I've been kind of like, I've thought about talking to friends of mine about doing the same thing because I I really like the process of sharing, sharing movies with people. Like, and I don't mean inviting them over. That's one great thing, but like just going to work and passing off a uh, John Carpenter's The Fog to somebody who hasn't seen it before. And then they come back a few days later and loved it and all. And I really like the idea of having kind of like a database of like what titles people have just so we can promote sharing. I also really like the idea of going to public libraries. There's there's an ass ton of really, really great movies that are spread across. Like our, we're in Jefferson County and there's like more than a dozen libraries around here. And you can get the majority of any any of the movies that are available, you can get them sent to your closest library and then just pick them up like a, a day or two later. And then I still like buying movies a whole lot. And I find that a lot of the stuff I watch, you just can't really find on streaming. That said, I so I've cut out Hulu and I've cut out Netflix. I do still have Amazon Prime because we we accidentally let the um, the Prime membership renew last December and I wasn't really paying attention. And so it's like, oh shit, we just spent $100 on Amazon Prime. So I do actually like Amazon a little bit because it's like no rules. It's crazy. There, It's like walking into like, like a deep county video store in the mid 90s especially like the horror section in those stores you'd see stuff you'd never see in town and i i think a lot of those weird and like arguably sketchy titles are actually popping up left and right on amazon right now the rights holders to these movies it's kind of like free reign where they can just kind of post stuff regardless of what the encoding quality is and uh and I guess they they get to pull a little bit of money from it, but it's like I you know I never I wouldn't have seen the Executioner two had it not just popped up on Amazon and I just been like searching through, like filtering out horror movies that were made between 1979 and 1987. I I highly recommend using InstantWatcher.com by the way because you can it, it's it's a powerful tool for filtering out Amazon. The other cool thing about InstantWatcher is you can. Like, let's say there's a studio like Synapse Films or Blue Underground or somebody. If you find like a like an obscure title that you really like a lot, you can click on the studio that posted it to Amazon and um, and you can then see like a whole breakout menu of titles that they have that are available, you know, streaming for free with your Prime membership. So um, that's a good way to kind of dive deep into stuff that you might have never heard of before. Kyle McKinnon is a feature film programmer for the Sidewalk Film Center and Cinema. Thanks so much for listening to Side Talks. You made it this long, so why not visit SidewalkFest.com? Or on social media at Sidewalk Film on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're like your personal cinematic Hoda and Kathy Lee, so we'll see you next time on Side Talks. Um. Hoda? <laughs> what up?
Boutwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.